Good morning, Novation family. Uh, We're going to continue in worship. If you would open your hymnals to page 146, I'm just joking. Uh, We're going to continue in teaching today, this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight and be helpful to everyone listening. We pray for Jesus You, Father, the Holy Spirit, your glory to touch our hearts and our minds today. In Jesus' name, amen. Years ago, when I was in Bible college, I was pretty much a brand new uh, believer in Jesus, new follower of Jesus. And I early on felt a calling to to full-time ministry that I wanted to give my life to that. And in Bible college, a weekly chapel where... Uh, We would have a guest speaker come in, there'd be worship, time of prayer, and so forth. In the chapels, us students could bring uh, guests with us if we we wanted to. In this one chapel, one of my fellow students brought her friend, and it was a young lady. Um, She was learning about Jesus and interested in in following Jesus, and, uh, but she had had a had a difficult past and, and had dabbled in the occult and some things. And so she wanted to have Pastor Russ Fraze, my mentor and father in the faith, uh, pray over her. And as I affectionately call him the dean, as the dean laid his hands on, on her to pray for her, she began to like start moving weird. And it was kind of creepy. And she started this strange kind of evil laugh and she fell to the floor and he got down and he continued to pray and he cast a demon out of her. I saw it with my own eyes. He cast a demon out of her. And after that, that prayer time, um, she felt refreshed and new and, and, and gave her life to Jesus and been serving Jesus ever since. And I remember, you know, looking up to to Pastor Russ so much as a mentor, you know, thinking nothing shakes him. I went to him and I said, Pastor Russ, I got to tell you, that freaked me out. He goes, Scott, it freaked me out too. So he made me feel good that I wasn't alone in the freaking out of, of this. But that was an experience with evil and darkness, you know, a literal experience. Another time... When I was a youth pastor, I went up to go make man-on-the-street kind of videos up at the Pearl Street Mall and uh, had a video guy with me, and I had a microphone and just went around asking random people if they would be willing to share their thoughts about God, heaven, hell, Jesus, etc. And I started talking to this one guy. He was a tall, thin guy dressed in black. And he sat down on a, on a park bench on the, the mall, and I was asking him questions about God, and he was philosophizing about what is God and heaven and reality and all of that. And it, it took a while. We were getting a lot of footage. And I kind of was getting bored and tired, and I got down, you know, on a knee to, to get a little rest as I listened to this dude babble on. And I said, I said, well, well tell me, you know, who's Jesus Christ? And the look in his eyes was so weird. His eyes changed as I, as I looked into him. And he looked me in the face and he said, this conversation is over. And he got up all 
torqued and, and walked off. And I knew I had been in the presence of something evil. It was crazy. It was weird. And to, to remember those things, to remember there's really a, a warfare going on. Today, we're finishing our series in the book of Ephesians. This has been a great journey through this letter of Paul to the Ephesian church. And today, we're going to talk about being rooted in strength. Our last one is rooted in strength. And you'll see why I've titled that as we read the text together. Paul says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. How do we win a battle in a war that's already been won? Um, you, I researched, you know, battles that happened after wars had been won, after Hitler had killed himself in World War II and the, the w war was declared over. Um, there were still battles that happened in places that people didn't know, I guess, that the, that the war had been over. Uh, the Battle of New Orleans from the Battle of a 1812 and the Battle of Prague and so forth. So where I'm tying this together is Jesus won the war for us. He won the war against death. He won the war against sin. And he won the war against the devil. He came to defeat the works of the enemy. He came to defeat the devil's work. We, we read in 1 John. So that's what we're going to talk about. How do we, the, the, but the battle's still going on. The battle is still real against unseen principalities and darkness. But we're victorious already in Jesus, so we need to know how to, how to do this battle. And Paul just gave us all the tools we need in, in this, in understanding who we are in Jesus. The first point I would make is we need to know our enemy. You need to know your enemy. You need to know who the real enemy is. In the Old Testament, we don't read a whole lot about or hear about Satan a whole lot or demons or any of that. It's a couple references here or there, Job and a couple other spots. It wasn't until Jesus came and taught. He, he taught more about the reality of the devil and who he was and what his works were than anybody had ever. So we, we, we learn about him from Jesus, and then obviously Paul takes it as well. But we need to, we need to know our enemy. In, in sports, you need to know your opponent. You need to know their tendencies. Watch game film, their strengths, their weaknesses, if you're going you know, to win. 
So he says, we are, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realms. The devil is defeated, but he's still a terrorist. He's still going around trying to terrorize people's lives. I love the show Man vs. Wild with Bear Gryllis. And uh, I remember this one time he was in the desert and he caught a rattlesnake that he was going to cook for dinner. He, we know he eats some gross stuff. But when he caught that snake, the first thing he did was he cut, it, cut its head off. And then he buried the rattlesnake head in the ground so that somebody wouldn't step on those fangs because even though that snake had had its head chopped off, it still had, had, had venom in its fangs. It could still do damage. That's kind of like the way I see the devil. He's had his head crushed by the finished work of Jesus. His head got, got cut off, but he's still got venom in his, his fangs. He's defeated, but still has a bite. Now, the Ephesians people, the town of Ephesus and the, and the believers would have understood what Paul was talking about here. Um, in Acts chapter 19, they, in, in Ephesus, there was uh, some people trying to cast out demons, the seven sons of Sceva. And they were in this man's house and said that, that the, the demons spoke through the man and said, Jesus we know. This Paul we've heard of, but we don't know you. And, and commenced to beaten the tar out of these guys, and they literally ran out of the house naked. Um, C.S. Lewis said, There are two equal and opposite errors into which Christians can have about the devil. One is to disbelieve his existence. The other is to have an unhealthy interest in him. The devil is equally pleased by both errors. A healthy respect for his prowess is necessary for us in winning this battle in a war that's already been won. So knowing our enemy, let's, 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 what does the Bible say about the devil? The devil and the demons are fallen angels. They're fallen angels. They were created by God. We don't know when the angels were created. We know they were created before he created the heavens and the earth as we know them now. And Satan was, was one, of the, one of the angels. And Jesus said that he saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Why did Satan and the demons fall from heaven? Well, they rebelled against God. They rebelled against their creator. They wanted to be God. They didn't want God to call the shots in their life anymore. They wanted, Satan wanted to be God, to replace God. And they got kicked out of heaven for that. Well, think of Adam and Eve. They did the same thing in the garden. God had told them to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet they wanted to be their own God. They wanted to call their own shots. And, and us We've been doing that ever since. We want to be in charge of our own lives. We want to, to lead our own lives. That's when we're eating out of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life is believing that God knows best, is good, and his intentions and in what he tells us to do and not to do are always for our good. 
Adam and Eve disobeyed God. They blamed each other. They blamed the devil. And they got kicked out of the garden. And we've been longing as humanity for Eden ever since. Satanism, if you talk to somebody who's a real Satanist, it's not necessarily about the occultish practices. Obviously, that's, that's part of it. But the easiest definition for a Satanist is self-worship, that you are your own God. You call your own shots. The devil is a liar and a murderer, Jesus said. He said he is the father of lies. He can do nothing but lie. Anything that comes out of his mouth is the opposite of what is truth. He's behind every murder. He's behind every evil intention. He's a thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He is like a lion, uh, you know, who prods around looking for someone to devour. He wants to ruin people's lives. He murders our innocence when we're little. We have, you know, then we get thoughts and imaginations and things and abuses that happen to us. He's behind all of that. He's an intimidator. He, he tries to intimidate us. I remember one time years and years ago, I was at the kitchen sink doing some dishes and looking out the window. And this cool thought came over my mind about planting a church and, and, and reaching people for Jesus through this new church. And I heard a voice say, if you do that, I'll ruin your life. And man, I, I remember looking around like, where'd that come from? And it was that there was a, an intimidation in that voice. You know what? The devil tried to ruin my life. He, he tried to ruin my life and God took everything that he meant for evil and he worked it for good and for his glory. He's a liar and he's a murderer. Greater is he who lives in us than he who is in this world. The devil's an accuser. He's an accuser. He accused Job before God and, and in Revelation, he's the accuser of the brethren. He accuses God to us. Whenever you hear that little voice, if God really loved you, then you wouldn't be going through this difficulty. If God really loved you, you know, this, would ha this wouldn't have happened. Those are lies from the enemy. God loves you, and he loves us. He never said that we weren't going to go through difficulties in this life. As a matter of fact, Jesus promised that we were going to go through trials and sorrows of many kind. He said, but take courage. I've overcome. And he accuses us. If you were really a good Christian, then you wouldn't do that. If you were really you know, a follower of Jesus, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do X, whatever. And then the devil masquerades as an angel of light. He doesn't come with a pitchfork and horns and a scary face. He is a wolf disguised as a sheep amongst the sheep. The devil is a, a schemer and a tempter. He's a deceiver. His schemes are always deceptive in deception. Jesus experienced temptation just like we did. He was tempted for 40 days in the wilderness and the devil tempted him to question his identity and, and, and usurp his, his power and all of that. And I'm so thankful we have a savior who's in touch with our own weaknesses and temptations, but he, 
he, he was tempted yet without sin. And then the devil leads the world astray. He is trying to lead people astray from God. When Jesus came to bring us back to God and to show us what God is like. So the first thing is in, in winning a battle and a war that's already been won is we got to know our enemy and that's who he is. Second thing is remember whose you are. To know, you'll never know who you are until you know whose you are. You have been chosen by God, a child of God. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It's, it's his strength, not ours. It's in whom we belong to. Let God fight your battles for you. Lean in to Jesus. Lean into the Holy Spirit. Give your problems to the Father who loves you deeply. So you remember who you are. All the truth that we've been teaching through Ephesians, man, this letter is jam-packed with spiritual truth to meditate on day and night. Because listen, the enemy is a subtle whisperer into your ear. He's subtly trying to discourage you. He's subtly sowing fear into you. He subtly wants to ruin your life because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he's about. So we need to know what Ephesians chapter 1 and 2 say about us. In chapter 3, our position in Jesus and how big and awesome and mighty is the God that saved us. Remember whose you are. And then resist the enemy. Resist the enemy. He says, then after the battle, you will be standing firm and your ground. And then James echoes this when he says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Did you catch that? Come under the covering of God. Submit, that's what submission is. We come under his covering, under his lead, and then we resist the devil, and he'll flee. I was a 150-pound offensive guard lineman in high school and that's pretty small and that's why I played baseball but anyway I digress in in being an offensive lineman is all about your stance it's all about standing firm and so in football you you if you widen your feet and you get your hands out in front of you the wider your base the the better leverage you have as you're trying to block a defender and it's all about that. When I would coach middle school football and kids that had never played before, I would, they would get in their stance and I just could easily push them over because their, their feet were wide. And I would show them, now widen your feet, stand firm. And then they, I, couldn't, I couldn't push them over. Well, spiritually, we need to widen our stance. Spiritually, we need to resist the lies and untruths of the enemy. Resisting his temptations. You know when you're tempted... I know when I'm tempted to do something or not do something that God wants me to do or not to do, or that we know is not an act of love or caring or others-centered. He's always tempting us to sin. And so when, we, when we, we're quick to just say, no, I'm going to resist that. And the more we do it, the, the more easy it becomes because we're, we're learning that, that he doesn't control us, and that temptation doesn't control us. We're under the control of the Holy Spirit. Recognize those voices of, of distrust towards God. 
He wants you and I to distrust God and not walk in faith. He voices of discouragement, fearful thoughts of what if that those are always from him thoughts of despair and hopelessness, deceitful thoughts. We need to resist the enemy. We need to know our enemy. We need to remember whose we are and we need to resist that enemy. And then lastly, get dressed for battle every day. Get dressed for battle every day. This is how we stay strong in the Lord. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. We need to put on, as a soldier or warrior puts on armor, these are spiritual truths that, he's, that he unpacks on what we're supposed to put on. The first thing I, I wrote down was put on his truth. Put on his truth. He says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Jesus said in, in John chapter 8, something amazing. He said, if you hold to my teaching, if you learn how to live from me, if you are my disciples, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You got to be around the one who is the truth. That's Jesus. And then you'll know the truth. And then he sets you free. The truth is a person. The truth is Jesus himself. So remind yourself every day as you're putting on the belt of truth to hold your drawers up, right? <laughs> Spiritually speaking, you remind yourself about the truth about Jesus. He's amazing. He created everything we see. He created the air we're breathing. He created the universe. He sustains it and holds it by his mighty power. He is perfectly loving. He is what God's like. Remind yourself of that every day. Remind yourself about the truth about who you are. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1. That's the truth about who you are. And then remind yourself the truth about others. People you, you run into are not your enemies. There's powers and principalities and selfishness and all kinds of things that are behind the conflict, conflicts in our lives. But people are not our enemies. People are, are the creation image bearers of God. We need to see people that way. Paul said that we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. What, what that means is there's the Jesus way of thinking, there's the Jesus way of doing life, and then there's false every other way. Jesus is truth. And so when we have thoughts that go in our mind, we need to say, does this line up with Jesus? Would Jesus think this thought? Would he meditate on this thought? Does it line up with his character, his nature, his power, who he is, and how he sees me? All the discouraging thoughts, all the things that when we tell ourselves we're no good or we're not going to amount to anything or my life doesn't matter, that does not line up with the truth of who we are in Jesus and what he says about us. 
Second thing to put on is, is put on his peace. Put on his peace. He says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Put on those gospel shoes is what he's saying there. Be people of peace. Be people who promote peace. Everywhere we go with these good news shoes on, so to speak, is how Paul puts it, and we're bringing peace with us. We're bringing the peace of Jesus. We're promoting peace, not arguments in trying to be right. No one was ever argued into the kingdom of God. No one was ever argued into becoming a disciple of Jesus. People are, are wooed and won by the love of God that's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And then walk in faith. Walk in faith. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Hold that shield out in front of you of faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's believing in the unseen world around us and believing that God is at work in our lives. God is increasing your faith right now through your difficulties. He's making your shield bigger and even stronger, that shield of faith around you. Your problems are not destroying you. Your problems are developing you because it's developing your faith. It's developing your leaning into God. And then change your thinking. Change your thinking. We need to get over stinking thinking, right? He says, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. A helmet is put on to protect our heads. This spiritual helmet that he's saying to protect is to protect our minds, to protect our, our thought life. Guarding your thought life, guarding, guarding our thought life is one of the most important discipleship things that you and I need to do. Because thoughts create feelings, feelings lead to behavior. We often try to address behavior without addressing our thought life or our feelings or our emotional life. And we just try to change the behavior. That's never going to work. You got to do the first two. You got to change the way you think. And you got to then your, your thoughts will then address your emotions and then address our behavior. The word of God changes how we think about God. It, Jesus changes how we think about ourselves and how we think about other people. Jesus is the word of God. He is the revelation of God, and he transforms us by the renewing of our mind through the, through the word of God, through what he's taught, through what we see in the scriptures. Paul said that in Romans 12 too. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then lastly, pray. Prayer is that, that secret you know, weapon that God has given us, spiritually speaking. That God is always with us, and learning to acknowledge his presence and power around us is what we need to do. He said, pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Spirit-led prayer, a continual attitude of prayer, 
a continued understanding of our connection with the Lord. You don't have to pray to God to be with you. He dwells in you in the person of the Holy Spirit. You, we need to rearrange that and realize, God, help me to recognize your presence in my life. When the enemy comes knocking at your door, let the Lord answer. Let Give it over to the Lord. Don't spend time arguing with the devil. <laughs> That's not going to be fruitful. Talk to Jesus. Because greater is he who lives in you than he who lives in the world. We're going to go back into worship. And we're going to sing the song, Surrounded. You know, this is how I fight my battles. We are in a battle in a war that's already been won. I love the words to this song. We're surrounded by you. And so that's how we're going to fight our battles. We're going to go back and worship, and then I'll close up afterwards.
surrounded, that I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Make that your prayer today. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. What a great song. What a great way to, to close out our series on the book of Ephesians. Um, can't wait to be together soon in person to have worship together and to, to be able to see all of your faces in, in person. Um, this has been a trying season, but uh, keep your mind and eyes on the Lord. Keep following Jesus. He is everything. He's the answer to everything. And to keep your heart and mind on him, he said he is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will never walk in darkness. Will never walk in darkness. He overcame the darkness. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your words that are so true. Thank you, Lord, that you defeated our enemies of death, sin, and the devil by your death and resurrection. We praise you. We humbly worship and adore you, King of kings and Lord of lords, for your glory. Amen. Have a good week. Blessings.